Hey guys, it's Dan here, and I just want to let you guys know that we have a brand new Patreon for any one of you guys to support us in any way you can. We have tiers that $1, $5, $10, $20 level. And honestly, we all love doing what we do. We promise to never make our podcast hide behind a paywall. But if you want to get your podcast ad-free, so basically you want to not hear this before every show, go ahead and go on to patreon.com slash ngpproductions and see if there's a tier that you like. And yes, there's Discord benefits. So please check it out. Hello listener, it's New Game Plus, your pixel-perfect podcast for all things gaming. I'm your host, Dan. And your co-host, Antonio. And we have a special guest this week. He is our, I think that would be our third time, fourth time guest. I I lost track, but honestly, one of our best friends we met on online and all time all on great guy. We got Retro Set Joe back here. Hello, hello. Yes, this is the, is this the third time? You you are in the like very rare of club of just you of the third time guest, dude. I that's I, that's my goal. I will be your most <laughs> interviewed person of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. We interviewed you about your life and your how you balance work and life. We did the whole Final Fantasy Seven spoiler yep. cast. Yep. So I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's what we're talking about here. We're here to talk about the I you know the concept of console modding. Because Joe, you know, I've seen you on your Instagram, on your Twitter, on your Twitch. Like you've been, you've been deep into that stuff. I have been. It's been a, a really fun, hands-on learning experience. <clears throat> so, so uh, let's start things off. Like, how did that kind of come about? So, as you know, I'm a retro streamer. Um, I, I enjoy sharing my passion for retro gaming with my community, and. As I've been building this up, I've gotten more into streaming console and hardware only. So I, I stream from the original NES, Super Nintendo, N64, PS1, etc. And the problem with that is with modern displays, those consoles don't look good scaled to an HDMI cable normally. Yeah, there's a lot of like tearing and <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because CRT, the old old tube televisions broke everything down line by line. And the pixels refreshed from top to bottom, left to right. New TVs, all the pixels are available all the time. So it doesn't know how to translate the old information to the new television. So the mods I mainly do are um, basically getting the best video output out of these older consoles. And uh, I've done a couple mods for like, um, uh, like on the GameCube to allow it to play backed up games. I also buy consoles to tear apart and repair. So a lot of that too. <laughs> hmm. So, you know, um, I, I've always been kind of curious about the idea of, um, of uh, console modding because, you know, I have a bunch of old games. I've been obviously able to stream that. I mean, I had the options of like using um, converters if I want to use my Elgato to stream it. But, you know, at the same time, like it gets all those wires, it's kind of hard to manage. It is uh, the. 
I mean, you've seen the wall of consoles in my stream room, <laughs> and there is about 800 feet of copper wire back there, probably. I am mm. like, I, I, I know you're, you have it organized and all like mm-hmm. nice and neat, but the idea of like that can going that going wrong scares the ever loving hell out of me. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's, it's definitely a labor of love. I have friends that are like, why don't you just run emulators? It looks just as good, if not better. I'm like, it does. But to be able to say that I took this console, this thing from like 1986 to 1998 in that range of consoles and managed to make it look good on a modern display is just fascinating to me. Also, it's great for speed running. (laughs) It is, it is. And and I mean, as a streamer, you know, like, I want the video quality to be as good as possible. I don't want you coming in and seeing a deinterlaced disaster of old video game on my screen. It doesn't look good. No. So that's a big part of it. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, pleasant to look at when it's nice. I feel yeah. like it's a really good talking point too, where you can, mm-hmm. if somebody's like, wow, this is like, are you, cause I'm sure you've gotten this question plenty of times. Like, Oh, what emulator are you using to run this? Cause yeah. Or, or as you, you know, said, nine times out of 10, People use emulators for it. Other other people that are retro streamers is the people that mostly get it. You know, they'll pop in. It's like, oh, are you emulating or are you using real hardware? It's like, this is real hardware. I spent hours and hours and hours of my life making it look this good. And they're like, yes, I yes, understand. We understand. Yes, there's, a, there's like an unspoken respect among us that do that. But, you know, we've spoke about that before, how... As much as I like using real hardware and stuff, I have no problem with people using emulators. And mm-hmm. that's totally the game developer's fault or the big game company's fault. You know, <laughs> Nintendo has, for example, done a terrible job of pre- preserving their assets for future generations. Oh, and we've had, I, think, I think, yeah, Dan and I have had thoughts about... <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, that's exactly what it is. It has nothing to do with, oh, I'm getting these games for free. It's like, if I want to go buy Mega Man X3, it's going to cost me $150 just to get the cartridge, if I can find it, because it's such a rare and underpreserved game. And, you know, or, or I could just emulate it for free. There you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> because I totally own the game, Nintendo, in case you're quote, listening to this podcast. Quote, quote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they want to, if they want to come after me and, tell me to stop doing what i'm doing at least i can use it as a point to you know garner some more support for what i do <laughs> definitely no such thing it's as bad sending PR a voice. message <laughs> it's about sending a message <laughs> God. so um, uh out of curiosity like what console have you, has you have you modeled so far and since you started this um so since i started this um i wanted to be able to play game boy games on stream and have them look good Whoa, so, okay, let's let's dive into this one. How do you do this? So there's two ways that I do it. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the Super Game Boy and the Super Nintendo. I'm pretty sure I own one somewhere in my basement. So that's a great way to do it um, if you can make your Super Nintendo look good. So I've done my Super Game Boy with a clock mod. And there's a, I have a YouTube video on this and why this is important. Super Game Boys were never allowed to be used for speedrunning because they did not use the proper oscill- you know, oscillator clock for the game. So the games ran faster huh. through the Super Game Boy than they did on the regular Game Boy console. 
um, what they did was they ran off of the Super Nintendo's built-in clock. So the games ran faster by a couple percent, but it's a noticeable amount. It's enough that the music is higher pitched and the game actually does physically move quicker. So you could get a mod. There's a guy on Tindy who does this, and it's a $15, you know, little little chip you get. And you remove a couple resistors on the board of the, the Super Game Boy, and you solder this thing in, and boom, your games run at the proper speed again. So that was the initial thing. So that's one way I run Game Boy games. The other way is through GameCube with the Game Boy Player, which is the unit that you can stick to the bottom of the GameCube. Yes, I remember those. And in order to get that to work, you have to have that unit and a CD unless you have a way to get into a bootloader on your GameCube, which requires some different kind of modding, like soft modding. You got soft modding and hard modding. Hard modding requires actually physically tearing a console apart and putting something in it or changing something. Soft modding is a software mod, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started there. I wanted I wanted my Game Boy games to look good on stream if I wanted to play them. And in that process, it's also like, okay, I want my Super Nintendo to look better. So there's a guy out there named Voltar who is a, it's V-O-U-L-T-A-R, very brilliant um, electronics engineer and solderer. And he builds these chips for like a Super Nintendo like mine which grabs better RGB signal out of it and outputs it to a SCART cable, which are the weird 20 pin cables that you'd see in Europe a lot Mm -hmm. back, back in the day. And that's the cleanest signal you can get out of one of those old consoles without tapping into the original digital signal and doing an HDMI mod, which is something I've not had the chance to do yet. So So I did the, Oh, go ahead. With those mods, quick question. Like is the output still regular RGB or. So. Standard output from those old consoles, you'll remember composite, which is the yellow, white, and red cables. Yeah. And then some people may remember uh, S-Video, which was the white and red audio cables, and then a third cable that took all the video signal that you would have in a composite and split it into two different types of syncing, which is what made that cleaner. The TV wasn't trying to interpret all of the signal through one cable. It was separated into two different pins. So it's like, okay, this pin is the brightness information. This pin is the color information. So that's pretty much what you're doing. And then when you get the RGB mod, it does your, here's your brightness information. And then your color information is further broken down into red, green, and blue RGB. Mm -hmm. And SCART cables are the king pretty much when it comes to carrying an RGB signal, having a 20 pin connector, they can make those pins do different things. And you have your left and your right audio, your RGB, your composite sync, your Luna sync, there's many different things. So <clears throat> consoles, and the other one I've done is the N64. Consoles like the N64, for some reason, Nintendo did not natively put RGB output in, in N64 for, for whatever reason. It's available on the console, they just never hooked it up. So that's probably that's the one I showed you where I did the green N64. And... Um, Basically put a chip in it that brought that RGB back to life, allows me to run a regular SCART cable into the OSSC, which is a device that takes that signal and converts it properly to HDMI output. Wow, when you put it that way, it makes it sound so simple. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Again, this can is why can you tell I, I have no <laughs> engineering experience whatsoever? It's okay though. But this is why, and see, this is why I record it whenever I do it, so mm -hmm. I can make videos and put it on YouTube and help. If someone knows me who doesn't know any of these other bigger modders and streamers, they could still see how I do it, and I try my best to explain and then give video side by side. Um, to 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 show what 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 I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. so there's that <laughs> yes it, it's it, it blows my mind how here we are in 2021 and there are still people making new hardware for these old consoles to make them look and sound good it's well, pretty wild it's kind of like what you said earlier it's all about the preservation of like just the original stuff right absolutely absolutely you know and, and <clears throat> i'm sure when the next type of tv connector comes out there's gonna be a way to do that you know it's it's I think I think things are pretty well standardized right now with uh, HDMI, but that you've also got DVI, which is apparently even better of a quality, you know, connection. It's not funny DVI, that you mentioned that. Not DVI, DisplayPort, DisplayPort. Yeah, it, it's funny mm -hmm. that you mentioned like the whole uh, preserving the games, even when the when the new connector comes out, and like immediately my first thought was like. 20 30 years down the road someone's going to be like hey we're going to play this retro game that i heard so much about it's called hades really really <laughs> good <laughs> it's called final fantasy 7 remake and apparently yeah. it was an older game of somebody mm. referring to 7 remake as a retro game <laughs> it all depends on what you consider a retro game you know I'll, who knows how they were hurt to it 50 years down the line, man. Yeah. It's, you know, I just laugh because all these people are on they're they're, you know, on about the Nintendo directs and the PS fives and the scalpers and blah, blah, blah. And here I sat the other night, uh, resurrecting an Xbox one from 2001. And even more recent than that, plugging oh my, my Atari 2600 into a CRT and playing it for the first time in 15 years and just being like, yes, I'm playing Pac-Man. Xbox oh, you're playing the Atari Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, can we, can, can we just rewind again? And you said an Xbox One from 2001, an original Xbox, as in an the, Xbox Classic, an OG Xbox, dude. Yes. Oh, the okay. one that's the size of a SUV. Sorry, I, I, I saw, I heard, I heard Xbox One, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's not that old, is it? No, no, Xbox One was 2012. Oh. 13, 14, roughly. The 360 yeah. is officially a retro console. Yes. From like the so, whole like 15 year age. But, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Uh, so you when you said you modded the X, the original Xbox, um I how, resurrected I, it. <laughs> resurrected it. Because I've been seeing I see nonstop like ads on like Instagram and Twitter about people like selling modded Xbox with all these games mm -hmm. that's pre-installed in it. Is that mm -hmm. you know something you might look into in the future or what? Oh, I mean, I, I've definitely modded consoles before that have built-in storage for that. I have two mm -hmm. uh, Wii consoles that I've soft modded. Again, that's a software mod, which mm -hmm. usually requires you to get a game. In this example, it was um, Smash Brothers Brawl, I think was the Wii version. Mm -hmm. And you load an SD card into the system with a certain file on it. And then you go to the game where it tries to access a certain part of information and the card, the file that you have on the card, it pretty much intercepts that and breaks into the system and rewrite, rewrite certain things. And that's pretty much what soft mudding is. 
So I have two Wii's that are soft modded to be able to load up what's called the homebrew application mm -hmm. where you can have emulators on that. You can have basically whatever you can fit on into an SD card. There's even things like a PS1 emulator on there, I believe. That is bizarre. So they're, they're similar. It is bizarre. They're similar. I've actually considered soft modding my Xbox as well now that I got the DVD drive working because it wouldn't read discs. I assume it's going to eventually go bad again. So if I can get it to just play games off the hard drive, that's kind of the goal eventually. Because I'm currently on the hunt for uh, the game um, Steel Battalion. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh, yes, are you trying to crazy controller? Yes, are you trying to find a controller with that too? Oh, yeah. It's funny because like, here's here's another example of how I, why I love retro stuff. Like, Here's a game that was probably pretty obscure and nobody probably really a had the money for it or got into it when it came out. But I posted on Twitter once about it. Like I'm looking for this game. Like if anyone sees it for a good price, blah, blah, blah. Three people instantly that I'd never met before on Twitter were on that post commenting, Hey, we've got a whole community. We do monthly or we do weekly games and stuff like that with this game. They have a modded version of it that still works over this like weird network that they've come up with. Parsec? Like, it's not Parsec because they're actually playing multiplayer games on an original Xbox game together. Whoa. Oh. Like it's 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 basically like long distance LAN. Is my assumption. And they're doing it with all the original like hardware. They, These guys that, all that have mega controllers. Yeah, that oh. mega controller with the oh 40 buttons God. and the gear shifter and the pedals. And I'm just like, that is so cool. That's why I got this Xbox and got it working. So I'm gonna eventually get that Hunt game. down yeah i want to yeah. see you play other games on that controller there's, there's so actually much so potential somebody has actually started building a driver for that controller on pc so they can make games for it on the on the, on the pc oh oh that's my dream that's which one would of my be dreams. so badass and it's like I, i've actually i remember seeing because you know any controller you have now you can get a controller to usb adapter mm -hmm. you know and so yeah it's basically takes that controller to usb adapter and they're building a a driver that can read all 40 inputs and their different variations and well you know joe that wipe that windshield wiper button is so important you know that right oh that that is the that i used to get a magazine called electronic gaming monthly so did i yep and when that game come out they did a they did like a yearly it was like annual video game awards sort of thing and one of the kind of joke awards was best button on a controller, and it was the windshield wiper button. <laughs> and I was just like, that is the most brilliant thing. So anyways, um, see, so yeah, when I say it resurrected the console, I, it, it, it wouldn't read games. I tore it apart. Um, any CD-based game has a very small uh, adjustment screw on it where you can adjust the resistance to the laser, mm -hmm. which... You can basically give the laser a little more power to make it read games better if it doesn't read them. I did that and it didn't work. So apparently someone had tried it before and broke it probably. So I got a new laser and put it in and put the thing back together and it worked good as new, fortunately. But again, there's only so many of these parts laying around in the world. So being able to take these consoles and modify them to play off of hard drives and stuff like that you know, you're, you're still emulating the games, but you're using the real hardware, which is pretty yeah. cool. 
So, you know, since you started, what has been the most labor-intensive and time-intensive console if you had the you modded so far? The hardest, the most labor-intensive one to mod was probably the N64. Really? And it, yeah, um, because in, in the Super Nintendo's case, which was the other one I did an RGB mod on recently, Super Nintendo's natively output RGB the thing that I put in there basically replaced the, the, the shitty factory RGB amplifier with one that actually gave you the, the right colors and stuff like that. The one for the N64 is you're adding RGB to a console that didn't have it. <laughs> so there's been that. Um, I think as far as like repairs go, definitely the Xbox is probably the most work I've put into a console lately. Mm. I remember back in the day, tearing apart a ps2 to do the same thing to adjust the laser on it and i was like 12 and that was like the original like uh, the original like fat ps2 too also right oh yeah i was one of the big boys but yeah um what i actually uh a good friend of mine another streamer chocobos has an n64 he wants rgb modded but only certain models could do the simple mod that i did it was only the first run of N64s, which were the first four revisions of the motherboard that you could do that on. See, I didn't There's, even know there were different models of the N64. There are different revisions of the boards. I mean, it's still oh. technically the same system. It works the same to the consumer. It's just all kind of back-end stuff that's different. Um, so the later revisions, you have to use a much more complicated mod, and that will probably be the most labor-intensive one I end up doing. Um Another one that was a bit of work was my GameCube that I, I again, I modded it to be able to run backup CDs. Uh, you had to tear that whole thing down to the main board and solder a chip to the bottom of it called the Z is like the Xeno chip or something like that. And that allows it to run games that you could, um, you know, if you burn a game onto a disc, it would run that. If you could get your hands on a mini disc, well, it was mini discs of the GameCube and burn it, it would, it would run that. It also is region free. It would run Japanese games if I stuck it in it because of that chip now for right. people who kind of want to get into this stuff uh, mm -hmm. you know a lot, one of the big questions is like but like is this kind of like a like a costly hobby can this be expensive as you go on if the the like any hobby the initial cost is going to be you know you want a good soldering iron you want tools that'll hold things in place while you're soldering that's the big you know the big cost into it. My soldering iron wasn't particularly expensive. I bought it at Radio Shack when they were going out of business. And it was like a hundred bucks. And it gives you, you can choose the temperature you're using. It's nothing super fancy, but you know, that's still a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, when you start getting into doing like the RGB mods, they're relatively inexpensive. The chips I bought from Voltar for my Super Nintendo and N64, they cost 30 to $40 each for the hmm. chip. Now, when you start talking, now there's people out there, and I like again, I haven't had the chance to do one of these because they're never in stock. But there's uh, mods that exist that allow you to tap into the the original digital signal from the console before it goes to the um, analog signal, like your composite or whatever, and it outputs it directly to HDMI. Uh, HDMI obviously is a digital signal that runs from, you know like a ps4 to your tv so this replaces the like the old school outputs of these consoles with an hdmi port and it, they look absolutely gorgeous because they're not being compressed into an analog signal i guess 
um, those are, again, those would probably be the harder, more time intensive, more labor intensive things because you basically have to tear the system down and redesign it to do what it needs to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I imagine. It's, it's a lot of work, but the, uh, if you look up, um, there's a company out there right now called, um, pixel FX that's about to release a HDMI mod for the original N64. And if you look at their pictures versus the original graphics, I mean, it's just incredible what they can do. It looks like a more modern game. It, it doesn't have the jagged pixel edges. It's all smooth and crisp looking. I got to check that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty badass. I've seen one. I've seen a, um, and the nice thing about a lot of these mods is um, they build them with a UI in place. So you can put in a button configuration on the original controller still, and it'll bring up a menu like, Hey, I want to put this filter on it to make it smooth, or I want it to run in this resolution specifically or something, you know, stuff like that. And it gives you the options like you would see in an emulator, basically. So like save states and all that stuff. Uh, probably not save states so much, but like video options that you'd see in an emulator, like du- line doubling, yeah. uh, like like smoothing to make the the pixel. Like on the Super Nintendo, you can make the pixels look original, or you can smooth out the lines so it looks kind of bubbly. <laughs> whatever um, you know, whatever you prefer. Yeah, exactly. I I I'm, I like my sharp square pixels. That's my preference. <laughs> I mean, when a man named Retro in his name, I imagine that'd be the case. Yeah. Every once in a while, I get a wild hair, and it's like, yeah, let's let's see what this looks like all buttery smooth. Like, yeah, change it back. Yeah, change it back. It looks, it looks, it just doesn't look natural. Ain't natural. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, Antonio, you got any more questions? Um, so it's, it's actually funny. A friend of mine also does some, like, hardware stuff. And so I was I was actually wondering, did you have to think about any do you have to learn stuff about like voltages and like electric a little bit of electrical engineering on the side to make sure that you're not like sending too much voltage potentially short something a lot a lot of that's already built in to like if you're doing like a mod chip they Mm -hmm. put all you know all the resistors and whatever in place to make sure that you don't over voltage things i have a background in uh wiring guitars and doing effects pedals for guitars and stuff like that. I've built guitars and wired them from scratch and stuff like that. So I used to do um, before that sound systems in cars. So uh, learning resistance, voltage, amperage, stuff like that is stuff I've already known going into it. It's not, it's not exactly necessary though. Like I said, most of the chips you buy, it's built in what you do have to know how to do is solder and that is yeah. a bit of a um an undertaking it. it is it is it's not it's easy once you figure it out like most things <laughs> but um it's one of those deals where you want your solder joints to be clean you got to learn more importantly the heat that your gun need your soldering iron needs to be so you don't burn up the electronics that are on the board already you know stuff like that Exactly. Because once you do that, it's over. <laughs> so yeah. if you were to get like advice to a person who has no experience with any, like engineering with a soldering, what would be the first thing you want to tell someone who wants to start modding your old consoles? Um, start by grabbing some copper wire from your local Lowe's store and learning how to solder it together. 
grab some copper wire, grab some flux, just, you know, any, any old copper wire will do learn how mm -hmm. to attach the things together cleanly and make a solid joint. That is a great way to learn how to use a soldering iron and not damage something. Um, the mod I did on my super game boy was probably the easiest one I've ever done. And I think if you can get your, you, it's, it, it's a very cheap mod to get into. Mm -hmm. You can find a super game boy on your Facebook marketplace for 20 to $25. The mod chip on Tindy was $15. And you know, all you need for that's a soldering iron. You're going to need one of those game bit screwdrivers to take the screws out of the game. Cause they use those weird, not really a hex head, but it's a security bit sort of thing. Yeah. Proprietary screws. So yeah, you need that. You need a soldering iron. You need some uh, flux, which is flux is a type of paste or fluid that bonds the solder to the metal easier. It makes your life a hell of a lot easier when you're soldering. But those are pretty much the only three things you need for that mod. There's no wires. It's just the chip lays in place. So and of course, always look up like how people who have done this before have are, are doing it because don't try to do this obviously blind. Oh, I have no. I mean, that's that's you know even even with my soldering experience, um, when I was soldering my N64, Super Nintendo, and other things, I'd find the person you know, again at Voltar. He has great videos. Pretty much any product he makes, he does a installation on camera to show the right way to do it, and. You know, everything from um, how to solder it into place, how to do cable management on his things. He does it so it looks clean and professional. The guy's really, really good at what he does. <laughs> so that's, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's, it, it's mostly having the right tools to get the job done. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're mm -hmm. going to want a good set of wire strippers. You're going to want a good soldering iron. You're going to want the proper screwdrivers to take your equipment apart. You know, like the game bits that you have for the Game Boy, Super Nintendo, and Nintendo. And some of the older Nintendo stuff had those tri-wing screwdrivers that had three. It wasn't like Phillips had with four points. It had three points. Um, you know, a small pair of tweezers is another great thing to have. Um, and that pretty much, that's enough to get you started, you know. Okay. And you can get a soldering iron for cheap too. They're not, I mean, you don't have to buy a super fancy expensive one, but it, it makes it easier. You know, being able to control how hot the thing is does make your life a lot easier. Yep. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But uh, Joe, where can our listeners find more of you? Assuming they haven't already followed you from our previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find uh, my YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash retro set Joe. I have a couple videos on there of some of the mods I was talking about today. So that might be a good place to start. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash retro set Joe on Twitter and Instagram at retro set Joe. And uh, that's pretty much where you can find me. No, 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 uh, no name changes this time around. Are you sure there's not going to be another brand, <laughs> brand change again? No, we're not. We're not going to be. We're not. We're not brand. We're not rebranding. Never doing that. Okay. Again. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> uh, and Daniel, where can people find you, man? You can find me streaming at twitch.tv slash AKL Trifecta. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter, uh, AKL Trifecta, and YouTube at uh, the standard YouTube gobbledygook link until we get a custom one. Just click on uh, Antonio's uh, link tree in the bottom and you'll find it. <laughs> get get Antonio find... 100, 100 YouTube subs so he can have that custom link. 
Oh, that's actually done. I'm just waiting for Google to recognize it. <laughs> well, damn it, Google. Google, please. Uh, and you can find myself. I want to fuck what? me, guys. That, Come that, on. That should be another. Gosh, uh, what about Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm not like just like I'm just like the producer, host, and editor of this damn thing. <laughs> look, I'm, look, I'm, just, I'm just saying. They should all episode. be following you, anyways. <laughs> Dan, uh, well, take it away. Okay, you can find me at twitch.tv slash the perpetual player one on Twitter at perpetual player, Instagram and Facebook at the perpetual player one. And also, don't forget to follow the official show or the network uh, social media. Just uh, find at NGP Productions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel. We are slowly growing that with more content. A lot of new stuff is coming there. It's going to be really good. And uh, also, don't forget to check out the Patreon at patreon.com patreon.com slash ngp productions where you'll find different tiers that of the supporting us and there's also discord benefits and yes we also have a discord so follow our social media and you'll find a link to all our discord where you can hang out with me antonio the rest of the entire cast of all our shows so thank you so much as always if you like what we do please leave us a rating a comment on apple podcast or wherever you listen to this show and if you really 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 like us please share with your friends it really helps us grow but until the next episode, guys, stay safe, stay indoors, wear your mask, and we'll see you on the next episode of New Game Plus. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.